This is Play-By-Play Cast. Is that faster than a greyhound? The podcast about play-by-play guys. For play-by-play guys, by I'm told, a play-by-play guy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Now here's the host of Play-by-Play Cast, Todd Bodet. Wait, the Motel 6 guy? We'll leave the light on for you. No, Joel Godet. Joe Godet. Joel. Joe. Joel? Joel, with an L. Okay, here's your host, Joel Godet. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. episodes in this Friday morning. Thanks as always for the subscribe or the download, the stream, however you have found this podcast, be it on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else on the interwebs. You can find us on YouTube as well. This is Play-By-Play Cast. It's the podcast about play-by-play broadcasters for play-by-play broadcasters hosted by a play-by-play broadcaster. My name is Joel Godet. It is a professional development podcast that dives into the tips, tricks, experience, stories, process, and preparations of some of the biggest and best play-by-play announcers in the business. And with the topic of today's show, I should tell you that the rapid-fire nature of that last sentence uh, I took from Colt Cabana's The Art of Wrestling. We'll get to that in a second. You can find us on social media, Twitter, at PXPCast. I am at Joel Godet, J-O-E-L-G-O-D-E-T-T, or you can shoot me an email, J-G-O-D-E-T-T at B-S-U dot E-D-U, B-S-U, uh, for Ball State University. This is our 98th episode, which means, simple math, uh, next week is 99, and two weeks from now is our 100th episode, and I'm kind of pumped about our, our next couple of guests. Lanny Frateri, uh, the former voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates for 33 years, uh, he currently uh, teaches at Waynesburg uh, University in western Pennsylvania and uh, does a lot of high school broadcasting there, but uh, for three decades was the voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, through the good and the bad. Uh, really good conversation coming up next week on the podcast, and then episode 100 uh, I'm really excited for. I'm not going to tell you who the guest is, um, and like I know uh, Sean Aronson on the Voice Behind the Voice had Joe Buck on for his hundredth episode. I I have not gone Joe Buck big, uh, but our our hundredth episode for this podcast is somebody uh, who you will have heard of. Uh, I personally think is one of the better broadcasters out there right now, and uh, who personally means a lot to me as well. Uh, and his name comes up on this podcast all the time, so uh, I'm excited for our one hundredth episode. It's not Bob Costas, by the way. Uh, Logan Anderson just talked to Bob Costas, for what it's worth. If you have not ever listened to the Say the Damn Score podcast, Bob Costas is on that this week. Uh, So go give that one a listen as well. When you're done with this one, go check out Bob Costas on Say the Damn Score. Aside, I am also going to be on Say the Damn Score coming up at some point soon. I really hope it's not the next episode. Because if you just listen to Bob Costas... And then the next episode is me. I don't know what I'm going to tell you that is of any use. I don't know what I'm going to tell you of any use anyway. But certainly not following Bob Costas. But Bob is, uh, he's, he's on Logan's podcast this week. So uh, do go check that one out. And then again, Lanny Terry will be with us next week. And then a uh, special guest coming up on episode 100. I'm going to keep that under wraps for right now. But I think you guys will enjoy it. Our guest today comes from the world 
of professional wrestling or sports entertainment. Uh, his name is Rich Bikini, formerly known as Rich Brennan when he worked in the WWE. Uh, and currently works with MLW Fusion, Major League Wrestling on BN Sports, Friday nights at 8 o'clock. Check your local cable uh, listings and, and you can check out MLW Fusion on BN Sports. We'll get to that in a second, but I wanted to dive into the how and why we got to today's episode. I'm a big wrestling fan. Like my Monday nights, occupado. My Tuesday nights, usually occupied. If not, I'll watch it on DVR. Raw on Mondays, SmackDown on Tuesdays. Sundays once a month, yeah, I'm watching the pay-per-view. WrestleMania, I watched on the baseball bus on the way back from our Eastern Michigan road trip. The guy sitting behind me thought it was ridiculous. I'm just loving up Ronda Rousey beating the Dickens out of Triple H. Uh, Like, I, I was huge into it as a kid. I've got a picture of me with a Hulkster hat flexing at Universal Studios uh, when I was a child. So I was really big into to, to pro wrestling as a, as a child. I had my own wrestling association when I was a kid. Uh, like, I had every, a whole list of wrestlers, and they all had names that I made up that were horrible. Uh, I had stables. I would wrestle my pillow for my actual belt. Like, that was the championship belt. I didn't go to the store and buy one. I just, it was just my belt. Like, my belt was the title belt. Um, so that was a thing. I was, I had the action figures, everything kind of fell out of watching wrestling as I got older. But when I got to Ball State six years ago, our current general manager of our corporate properties, Ball State Sports Properties, uh, now under Learfield, um, is a diehard wrestling fan. Like has the big gold belt autographed by Ric Flair framed and hanging in his house. Uh, I think has a Ric Flair authentic... You know what? I don't think. I know. He wore it to work one day. Uh, has a Ric Flair authentic robe. <laughs> like, I, I mean, he's kind of into it. And every year he throws a Royal Rumble party. I don't know about the legalities of that. Like the whole like... It's like a Super Bowl party, isn't it? Like you invite a bunch of people to watch over the same thing on the same TV. Um, but every year he has a Royal Rumble party and everybody gets a number and like it gives everybody a vested interest in what they're watching. Even if they're not wrestling fans, they're still into it because they want their guy to win even though they get Apollo Crews which was me two years ago. Um, So that kind of got me back into wrestling. And I love it now. And it's a melding of my two worlds when I see Michael Cole on television or when I see, um, you know, Tom Phillips or Mauro Ranallo or a couple of years ago, Rich Brennan, when he was on NXT and SmackDown. And when I was growing up too, Tony Schiavone, uh, who did WCW and now does with Rich MLW Fusion on BN Sports. There is a play-by-play broadcaster on professional wrestling, and it has fascinated me because it is my two worlds colliding. And there are questions I've always had about it. You know, like, you'll listen to the wrestling podcast, and they'll say, well, the announcer said this, and, you know, he was probably told that in his ear. So I was curious, like, how much stuff are you told in your ear? What are you hearing from a producer? What are things you're being told to say? What are things you're being directed? How are you being pointed? Um, What's captaining the ship? Kind of what's the behind the scenes of the play-by-play side of a professional wrestling broadcast? Uh, you know, how do they research their stories? Obviously, I mean, it's it's male soap opera is is professional wrestling. Like, you know, there's General Hospital and like we, you know, not that women don't like wrestling. They do. And not that men don't watch General Hospital. Um, but <laughs> it, it's soap opera. Like we get into it for the storylines. Um So the broadcaster is a big part of telling that story. How do they do their preparation? How do they get themselves tuned in to the story the wrestlers want to tell? 
you know, how do they know the background that this wrestler wants to paint? Uh, so kind of what's that like? How do they organize themselves? And like, do they have charts? Found out they kind of in, in some sort of ways do. Uh, so I was curious about that side of things. And then certainly if you've ever watched pro wrestling, you know that the announce table almost always gets destroyed, particularly if it's the Spanish announce table. I've always been curious what it would be like to have my broadcast position destroyed. Uh, never happened in a basketball game. It's come close. Never happened. Uh, wrestling, it happens on the regular. So <laughs> I've always wanted to know, like, how you deal with that. What happens when somebody rips your monitor away? What happens if your equipment stops working because, I don't know, Roman Reigns is lying on it? Uh, so <laughs> there, there's so many questions I've had about play-by-play broadcasting of pro wrestling. And I reached out to Rich Bikini uh, to hopefully answer some of those. And I think we do in a lot of respects on this episode. A little bit about Rich. Uh, formerly was the voice of NXT, which is technically the developmental system for WWE. I mean, it is the developmental system. It's the de- developmental brand. But it's not like it's not really developmental. Like, it, they, they put on huge shows. They have a weekly show. Like, it's technically developmental, but it, it's, in a lot of ways, its own brand. Um he was the voice of that on the WWE Network, eventually got promoted to SmackDown, and now, as I mentioned, is uh, the voice with Tony Schiavone of MLW Fusion on BN Sports. It's available on Xfinity, DirecTV, Dish, AT&T, Uverse, and more. I'm reading this right off their website. Contact your provider and request BN Sports. If you don't get it, you can visit getbn.bnsports.com for local listings, and uh, also watch Major League Wrestling on BN Sports or BN Sports Connect. It also streams on Sling, Fubo, Fubo, not Fubo. That would be, it would stream on your t-shirt. Uh, Sling, Fubo, and Yip. I don't know what the other two things are, uh, but I do know what Sling is. It streams on all of those providers. You can watch it on BN Sports via desktop, mobile app, or home device as well. So that is how you access MLW Fusion, uh, Rich Bikini's current project. Uh, and that's where we actually start our conversation about broadcasting professional wrestling. His current work with MLW Fusion, which means he's working with Tony Schiavone, who, as I said, one of the giants of this industry from a play-by-play standpoint, uh, when he was the voice of Monday Nitro with WCW. So my first question, what's it like to work with Tony Schiavone and learn from him on a night-in, night-out basis? Rich Bikini is our guest this week on Play-by-Play Cast. He's just so, like, so he's been out of wrestling for a long time and didn't want to be involved in wrestling for, for a long time. He just <laughs> avoided it and kind of unwillingly got, uh, get pra- got dragged back into it with his, you know, this podcast with Conrad and the numbers that they do for that, they, you know, I, I think it exceeded the expectations for everybody. So, he, you know, he's found some fun in it. We, we enjoy working together. At least I, I enjoyed working with him. He tells me he enjoys working with me. <laughs> uh, so, you know, just as far as learning and, and stuff, um, you know, Tony's just, the thing that, I, that I've always been a fan of with Tony, even going back to when I first started watching him, say like 85, 86, on, on, on the old uh, the old studio show that, that the NWA did on TBS, you see, he was always so smooth. And he's a he's a baseball guy at heart. That's how he got into wrestling. He worked for, he worked for the Crockett's who own the Charlotte O's. Um, he worked in Greensboro for a bit, but he ended up in wrestling because he worked for the Crockett family and he worked for their baseball team in Charlotte. So um, he's a baseball guy. So he has that kind of smooth baseball delivery and that calm baseball delivery, even though Shivani for a while was known as kind of being the guy who overhyped everything. 
um, especially at the end of WCW, where everything was the greatest night in, in the history of our sport. He's got a very smooth, very calm delivery when, when, he's, when he's allowed just to be him, um, which is the Tony that we're getting now. We're, we're more getting like the 85, 86 Tony than we are the, you know, the 98, 99 Tony right now, which is cool. Um, but, you know, just as far as learning, so just slow down, calm down, relax, have fun. And sometimes I, I think it helps to, to be reminded of that. Um, you know, for, and for, for lack of a better term, like I still, I, I, I joke that I still have PTSD from, from WWE for a little bit, but it's just, just I don't know. It, it, it's just such a, it, that it's such a high pressure environment when you're there that it's, I don't want to say it's hard to have fun, but it's kind of, you're on edge more. Um, you're, you're, you're on eggshells where with this working with Tony again, he's just, you know, if I'm in my head, he's like, dude, stop. Like, get out of your head. Just have fun. And we do. So that, you know, every time that I, that I work with him, as I said on, on Twitter the other day, I learned stuff. Like, he, he handled more play-by-play on this last show. And just, again, just watching him work, just watching the way he does intros. And, I mean, he's, 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 a, he's a master of what he does. And it was, it was very, very cool in a lot of ways to be able to kind of, kind of sit next to him and um, I don't want to say take on the secondary role being a color guy, but I'm used to being a play-by-play guy. I'm used to calling play-by-play. And I, on this last set of tapings we did, I was more of a color guy. So I get to observe a little bit more of what Tony was doing. And it's, again, just a reminder, um, a lot of times it's probably for, you know, it probably applies to baseball and hockey and, and, and football and basketball and everything. Slow down. You know what I mean? Like, like there's no, there's no rush. Slow down. On that note, and I'm curious because I've gotten into wrestling. I was big into it when I was a kid, and I've gotten into it again more recently um, in the last six years. Uh, now that I'm, you know, in broadcasting, I, I, I kind of look at it from a different perspective on that side of things, and I've always been very curious about the broadcast side of pro wrestling. And I had seen an interview uh, that you did where you basically said at least on the WWE side, you're less of a play-by-play announcer and more of an actor that plays a play-by-play announcer on TV. So what's different between what you do as a, as a play-by-play guy in, in wrestling, um, particularly at the WWE level, versus what you would do if you were in uh, you know, hockey coming up or, or like Tony if you're coming up through baseball? Um, man, you know, that's a, I could probably expand on this for like two hours. It's a loaded question. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and try to really break down what what you're asking. I'm going to try to, I'll try to keep it as simple as I can, you know, from, from my perspective. And if I'm, if I start rambling or whatever, feel free to cut me off, (laughs) whatever. Um, so the basic long and short of, being a wrestling play-by-play guy, number one is you need to get you need to get stories over, right? So whatever the sto- whatever the particular story is that that you're telling, you need you need to be able to tell that story and give people a reason to care about the match that's happening. Because um, you know, I, I I always joke around without you know without stories, wrestling's just two guys in their underwear rolling around in a ring, right? So and and, it, and it's an exaggeration. But without, but without stories, without context, without setting things up, nothing matters. What does it mean? It's just two guys wrestling. Um, sometimes that can be awesome when you have two like real technical 
uh, you know, you say you have like, you know, two real technical luchadors or, you know, two, just two real impressive in-ring guys. Like, you know, imagine, you, you know, you have like Ricochet against, uh, like I called Ricochet against Shane Strickland because those two in the ring and you may not need a story for that matchup because they can tell a story, but having stories, having things that people relate to, um, it's the essence of what pro wrestling is. So, you know, it's not just two guys wrestling. It's, well, this guy screwed over this guy, and now they're going to fight over whatever. You know what I mean? Sure. That, that, make, does that make sense? Yeah, so, no. As, you know, as, as, so as far as the, the, the job goes, it, it really depends on where you are and what your producer wants and what, your, and what the promoter wants. I think outwardly, when we think of doing wrestling play-by-play, um, I think the average fan just thinks that you kind of go and you just kind of call the matches, which is the furthest thing from the truth. Um, I don't want to say everything is scripted, but there, you know, at the WWE level anyway, there are certain story points that, that like you have to get over or else you're going to get screamed at. Um, you know, that keeping the traffic straight and that's important for any play by play job, but especially in WWE with, the amount of moving parts that, that they have, um, you know, making sure that you get to get to the brakes on time and making sure that you lead into the brakes properly, making sure that if there's a package coming up, you can talk to the package properly, different things like that. But continually telling everything you're doing is telling the story. So you're less of a quote-unquote play-by-play guy. Like, I, I want to say in my headset, the thing that I probably heard more often than not mm-hmm. was, it's not radio, Right. So I don't need to tell you, oh, my God, here goes so-and-so climbing to the top turnbuckle. Oh, my God, what a crossbody, whatever. So you can see that. You know what I mean? So I, you kind of need to explain a little bit more, you know, here goes whatever. Here goes, you know, here goes Neville to the top. My God, he might be looking for the red arrow. It's devastating finishing maneuver. He's one of the best high flyers in the business, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. WWE is very particular in the way that they want things done. MLW, like, for instance, MLW has been a lot more. Uh, a lot more loose, um, but there's still elements, of, you know, things that, that you have to get in, um, stories that that need to be told, and but you know the the, the long and short maybe of, of of calling wrestling wrestling play-by-play is that you know, it, it doesn't change from promotion to promotion in some ways where uh, you know the mechanics of calling a match, but the mechanics of calling a match don't change no matter where you go. Doesn't matter if you're in WWE or Lucha Underground or, or, or whatever. The mechanics of calling a match, being able to recognize the different pieces of a match and the different parts of a match, are um, those are universal. So, and what I, what I, what I mean by that is, you know, if you go out to call a match and you know that that the match is, you know, eight minutes curtain to curtain, you know, in the second that that you have eight minutes curtain to curtain, then you know going into it that you're going to get. You know, you get you get your entrances. You get a little bit in the beginning. You're probably going to go right into right in, right into some heel heat, and you know, in a match that short, that when the babyface starts to make the comeback, that that's probably really the comeback, as opposed to say like a twenty minute, thirty minute like WrestleMania match where you're going to have you're going to have multiple heat segments, multiple cutoff segments, you know, multiple shine segments. You're probably going to have a couple of. Uh, you're probably going to have a couple of hold spots where, you know, where your baby face is coming back up only for the heel to cut them off before your heel eventually gets into the comeback. 
Uh, I'm sorry, your baby face gets into the comeback, and, and, and you go into the, assuming the baby face is winning, and, and you get into your center. So those elements of a match don't change. It's just, you know, as a play-by-play guy, you need to be able to recognize what those elements of, of a match are and adjust your commentary accordingly. So it takes, it, it takes time. I mean, there, there's, there's no, there's no little bit to, to, to teach it or to learn it. It's just reps. You have to just keep doing it. I'm curious on that note, too. I, I mean, do you know... 100% what's going to happen uh, in terms of uh, spots and matches or uh, finishes in particular? Uh, and, and how do you balance, you know, what you know going in, what you want to know going in um, versus still being able to produce a call that sounds authentic? A little bit of both. Um, depending on, on, on the match, um, I may ask for, more or less. And I'm, here's the thing. When you're taping, say, four hours of TV at a time, um, like NXT did, uh, like we do with, with MLW, like there's just, honestly, there's simply not enough time for the play-by-play guys to go and get details on every match. Like, we'll have, we'll have the story, clearly, because, you know, that stuff's laid out. But, um, you know, as, as far as what's happening in each and in, in every match, a lot of times you don't have time to get that stuff. Ahead of time, so that's where that's where you're relying on your producers and your headset to tip you off on things and to kind of to kind of guide you. Um, you know, if, if you start turning right, but you should be turning left. That's on your producer to, to get you back where you need to be because you, you know you, you you may you may start talking about something thinking that it's going a certain way, but it's really not. So that's where your producer, who knows what's happening in the match, is probably sitting there with the agent that put the match together. If they hear you going a certain way, then they can guide you back to where you need to go. Um, but as far as knowing the elements of the match, there are certain, you know, there, there are certain things that, that I, that I like to know. Sometimes I like to know the finish, but more often than not, um, especially like, like a title match, um, I don't necessarily want to know exactly what's going to happen. I, and I, I want to, I want to be surprised but unless it's something so specific that like, if I didn't know it, it screwed up. Um, but it's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a very fine line. One of the things that I, that I always point to was, um, I go back to the first table of our, our evolution. It's probably the, the best example that, that I can think of for this. Um, that was Sami Zayn and Neville. Neville was the NXT champion and they were, they were competing for the NXT title. I was going to say, did you know Sami was going to win going into that? I had a sense that he was going to win, but I didn't know for sure. Okay, cool. And I mean, yeah. No, so, no, so, so you're, no, so you're no, one of us, no, basically. <laughs> no, nobody told me one way or the other. Like, I kind of knew, but it wasn't like, yes, for sure, he's going over. Sure. Um, the, only, the only thing that uh, I, I remember seeing him and Neville in Gorilla for the show and here's another thing, too. A lot of times, like a big show like that, those matches are, a lot of times, they're going to be laid out ahead of time, so guys are going to know what they're doing. Sometimes they're not. And for and for a regular show, sometimes that, that stuff isn't laid out. So before the show, I may go up to somebody, hey, anything you guys want me to know about your match? And a lot of times the answer is, shit, we, we haven't even had a chance to put it together yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> so... So, so, there, so, there, so, there, so there's some of that. But, that, you know, that the Sammy Neville match in particular... Um, they were they were in, in, in Gorilla before we went out and, and we were talking and I asked I answered hey fellas and I, I was actually there with it was me and Graves who were there and I said uh, hey anything you guys want us to know um, I 
don't tell me the finish if you don't want to tell me the finish, but anything you want me to know. And Sammy told me about the belt spot. And there's, there's a spot in the match where he, I, I think Neville gets the belt and like the referee gets knocked down or something. So then Sammy picks up the belt and he's, you know, he's got this clear shot at Neville where he can just clock him with the belt, get the referee, count one, two, three, and now he's the champion. But Sammy's always been the good guy. He's always been the guy who does things the right way. He doesn't take shortcuts. Neville's been taking shortcuts and trying to screw him the whole time. So it's this moral dilemma for Sammy. Holy shit, do I hit him with this belt and win the match or not? So they told us that. So, so Graves and I were able to decide ahead of time kind of who we were going to back in that particular instant. So if you, so if you go back and, 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 and you watch that, I'm, I'm yelling, Sammy, not like this, not like this, Sammy, not like this. And Graves is like, hell yes, like this. It's the championship. You're, and, and actually, the other thing in that aspect, his career was on the line, supposedly. Yeah. So, 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 you know, so it's like, Sammy, this is your career that's on the line. More, no time for moral. I'm like, Sammy, not like this. Not like this, Sammy. And ultimately, he decides not to, and he wins. You know, he wins with the hula the kick, and, he, you know, everybody's happy, and he did it the right way, and he didn't have to compromise his morals and blah, 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 blah. So um, that's that's an example of knowing without knowing exactly how, what, when, or why. But I knew it was coming. So I was able to kind of paint that picture where, where again, I'm backing him up. And I'm like, you know, don't sell your ideals. Don't, you know, don't, don't sell short your ideals. And Graves is like, no, fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, hit, hit, no hit, hit him with the belt. This is your career that, that's on the line. The hell is he going to do it? And I think one of the lines he has to business, you're going to do what you got to do. So, um, so that, that's, that's an example of, of knowing but not knowing. What's prep like for something like that? And then even a broader scale, like every time I sit at home and I, I'm watching Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or a pay-per-view or whatever, and, uh, you know, Cole will say something to the effect of, you know, Rollins has wanted this his entire life. He's been dreaming of this moment since he was 10 years old. Uh, are, do you guys have those conversations with all of the talent? Um, I mean, will you sit down with each one of them and kind of map out exactly what they once said? Um, and then organizationally, like, I mean, do you keep, do you have like a card on every guy or a file on every every person um, that you can kind of have for quick reference? I guess just what organizationally is your prep like um, so that on national television, uh, I mean, you can you can tell these stories um, the, the best way possible. A lot of times it's stuff that'll be in like one of the packages or something. Um It'll, you know, a lot of times you'll refer to something that was said in, a, in an interview. Okay. Um, so, so there's that. But, yeah, as far as having, like, cards on uh, individual guys, like, in WWE, sorry, I'm yawning, man. Uh, <laughs> in, uh, in, uh, in, you know, WWE, for instance, on, on my iPad, actually Cole had this, and I'm guessing Tom, and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know Vic, I don't know if they use the same kind of system, but... Um, I started doing what what Cole did, where in uh, on like on my iPad, I have a, I have a folder on, on on my iPad, and just you know, in like the, the notes, the Apple Notes or whatever, um, and I just have basically like a file on each guy that I can pull up and get all all that pertinent info. It's like it's like anything else, though. Like kind of once you get going, like you you know this stuff. You know what I mean? It's 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 kind of like you know, like, like if you're calling baseball or basketball by like couple of weeks into the season like you know your team you know what i mean yeah like you don't really need, you don't really need 
to have this no or that no. You just you just kind of know. Uh, but that said, sometimes you know there are certain things that relate to the story that's being told that you have to get in. So, like I said, that may that may, that may be a quote in a package or in an interview segment that that you're able to kind of bring forward. Um, some of that stuff is, is discussed ahead of time, but I mean, like as far as getting getting to know the guy, like you know, you're you're talking to the guys all the time, you're getting stuff. Like, hey, you know, you you know, any new stories for me or whatever. So, yeah, on the indies, it's a little bit easier because you can kind of tell whatever story you want. Uh, WWE is different because you know some like guys may tell you, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this, 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 and that. Or, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff. You, get, you know, I, I, I remember guys coming up. Oh, hey, I got this new move. I'm gonna call up the fucking whatever. And I remember one time I went and I said it, and I was like, "What the hell is that?" I don't know. That's what he told me to call it. No, oh, you gotta get that clear. Oh, okay. Interesting. You know. Then there were other times where stuff didn't have to get cleared, and it was just fine. So there's no. There was. There was seemingly no rhyme or reason for a lot of that. How long does it take you to get good at it? Because uh, I, I saw an interview that you did where, I mean, you said when you were in NXT, it was like two and three hours a day at the Performance Center just doing like mock broadcasts and, and doing mock matches and uh, working with Corey Graves uh, when, when he was first starting to, to make that turn into becoming a, a broadcaster. Uh, what are you getting out of that? And, and how are, I mean, how did that play into your development? Um, and, and how much better did you get for all of that? Uh, along the way before you, you eventually made your way to TV? Um, a lot of that is just really getting your footing and kind of figuring out, like, again, figuring out the uh, the, the, the pieces of a match. Um, you know, a lot of people that, that want wrestling, a lot of fans don't, you know, people that, that are into it don't even really understand the way a match is laid out. So, um, you know, like when I was saying, you, you know, you've got your, you got your heat spot, you have your comeback, you've got your cutoff. You know, the, you've got those different elements of a, of a match. Calling the, you know, spending hours in the PC in the VO room, just calling stuff over and over and over again. You start to recognize certain things. So you kind of get that rhythm. Um, you know, and, and and again with WWE, you know, if it's you know, if it's a weekly TV show, you, you kind of get a sense like, okay, this is going to be like a six minute match or an eight minute match. So you kind of know. What's coming? So there, I don't want to say there's a formula, but there's kind of a rhythm to it. Um, you know, as far as learning in there, I mean, it's just you know, just finding your voice and finding your confidence, and um, just kind of understanding the whole thing, understanding the business as as, as a whole. It's I mean, it's important. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of the the best way to. To maybe explain it, but I, you know, I mean, it's um, you know, I've heard that, for example, like Joe Buck, I've heard, for instance, like he talked to Cole before. I don't know if he came to a show or whatever, but you know, Joe Buck and, and some of those big network guys have said like that they couldn't do what they do at WWE. In other words, they they couldn't do what Cole does at WWE, and I, I I'd be willing to bet there's probably nobody that can handle the amount of traffic and handle the amount of changes and everything the way that's why that's why cole has been on raw for as long as he's been because you know they've it, it's it's such a demanding difficult position it is a very nuanced position that it's, it's very difficult to train for that you just kind of you can either do it or you can't and a, a lot a lot of guys can't so you know, so again as far as being in, in, in the performance center and just learning um it's like anything else it's just, it's, it's just repetition 
you know, the more reps you get, then the, uh, you know, the, the, the better you're going to be. It's, it's like anything else, swinging the bat in the batting cage or whatever. How many voices are in your ear uh, when you're doing a SmackDown or a TakeOver or uh, just an NXT, you know, weekly show? And, and, and uh, how many voices are in your ear at the same time, I guess is the bigger question. Uh, there's a producer and a director. So, and then if, if they want the agent, which, well, they could, you know, the agent can get in there. So let's say for NXT, for instance, like Cole would be my main producer. And then you'd have the director in the truck who's counting you in and out of stuff. Um, and then the agents, you know, like Triple H, whoever back at Gorilla, they can, they can pipe in. But usually it's just your director and your, um, uh, your director and your producer, and then the two guys you're working with. So, in theory, you've got, you know, four voices plus your own that you're trying to keep track of. So this is a question I've always had, too, and I, I really thought about it a couple of weeks ago, uh, WrestleMania weekend, when it was at TakeOver, and I forget which match it was. I think it was either it was either the, the North American ladder match or uh, it might have been Ciampa Gargano. Uh, when the table got destroyed... And Moro's mic actually cut out. And I've always thought to myself, like, when people are destroying announce tables, why doesn't the mic cut out more often? Like, why are there not more technical problems when, when the entire announce table is destroyed? Uh, so I, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, what those, what are table spots like? Uh, I, I mean, how do you get, your, like, how much stuff do you have with you? How do you get it out of the way? Like, have you ever had anything broken? Uh, and, and how do you still do your job when, you know, you're, your setup is gone, and your monitors are always the first thing gone. Uh, how does how does life go on? How does the show go on? Um, just as far as getting your stuff out of the way, if you're lucky, they tell you. <laughs> okay, great, great. <laughs> you, you can kind of sense when that was my iPad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I remember one show in particular where uh, I think it was SmackDown. I, I was there with, with, with Jerry Lawler and. We had both we both drink Diet Coke during the show. Like I'd have water and I'd have to take a Diet Coke just to kind of keep my throat clear. So you take the the can and you know you put it in a roll of tape and it's kind of under like the little lip of the announce desk up on the top. I remember Roman Reigns coming over at one point and he and he did a uh, you know he came over to do to hit to hit a senton on the table. Might have been Sheamus or something. Whoever it was. So whoever it is moves. He ends up coming, he just basically just, you know, flops back first on the table, and he lands right on the soda, and the soda exploded. And so now there's soda to... God, I wish I remember what show it was, because I'd love to go back and kind of, like, look at a replay, because you can see it. When he comes and does you just see, like, this explosion of Diet Coke. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, you've got, you, you know, you've got, your, you've got your run sheet. You've got another sheet. It's called the truck sheet that you know kind of has like the numbered items, um, which is easier. So they can tell, hey, uh, number fifty-eight is dead. Just jump right to fifty-nine, right? Um, so, so you have so you have that. Uh, it can be um, sometimes. Sometimes you don't know. I remember one of the first shows I did. I mean, it was Superstars, and Luke Harper did a spot as we were going to commercial, and he's and he had a cheer, uh, a cheer, a chair. And uh, he comes walking over to comes walking over. Now here's here's the thing. This is like one of my first shows on the main roster, and you're taught eyes on the monitor. Don't ever take your eyes off the monitor because you're calling what's on the monitor. <laughs> so you're not tipping stuff off. You know. So in other words, if there's somebody, if there's a run in, 
you don't want to mention the run in before the person at home sees it. Yeah, that'd be that's why you're calling what that that's why you're calling what's off your monitor. Uh well, here comes Harper and he's in you know, kinda of like in, in front of the ring and he grabs a chair and he starts come over coming over to the announce table and I'm calling this, not realizing that he's walking over towards me. Because <laughs> just my just because my, my sense of direction was just so so I'm used to being at that point used to be used to being either in the VO room or at NXT and you call stuff you're not ringside at NXT uh for to the for the regular TV show. But anyway, so he comes over and he's got this chair and as I'm going to break, right out of the corner of my eye, I see I see him coming at me. And I'm like, uh oh. And I toss the break and he kinda like throws he kinda like threw the chair, swung the chair, and just, just, just missed me by like a quarter of an inch as we went to break. So I remember talking to him afterwards. I'm like, dude, you almost took my eye out. He's like, oh man, I was like, I was coming over with the chair and I'm thinking, he sees me, he sees me, he sees me. Oh shit, he doesn't see me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, as far as, you know, table spots and, and, and that kind of thing, like, yeah, sometimes you know, sometimes you don't. You just have to, you know, as far as your stuff, you just try to gather your stuff and, and get out of the way. What's more fun? Uh, and I don't mean that pejoratively toward you know, WWE or, or, you know, the, the national television kind of production side of things. But, uh, what's, is there more fun in the freedom? I don't even know if it's right to say more fun, but, but is there, is there more freedom? Is there an enjoyment factor to the freedom of doing play by play for, uh, you know, now MLW or an independent show, um, when it is less the production side of things and more the ability to, I mean, straight up call a match in some respects and and, and be more on the action and, and worry kind of less about the periphery, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's, um, you know, when when somebody tells you to be yourself, it's nice to be able to just be yourself <laughs> and go out there and go out there and do it. Um, and I think that probably is, is the difference. WWE, you are, you're hired to play the role of an, uh, the role of an announcer, whereas like MLW... And the Indies, and you can argue it's the same thing, but I feel like I just am an announcer as opposed to playing the role of an announcer. And I, I, it's, it's a nuanced distinction, I think, but and it's probably kind of hard to explain to people, but I, I, I think it does matter. Um, you know, for instance, like I was calling MLW the other night, and I, I kept talking about a title opportunity. I said it a couple times, like Court Bauer buzzes me in, in the headset. He says, hey, Rich, you can say title shot here. I think I think I said title shot like three times in succession just to kind of pop him a little bit and just be like, oh, okay, great. Hey, he's really, he really wants this title shot. This title shot means the world to him. Like, you know, I, I, I forget exactly what I said, but that's, that's, that's kind of the difference too. Um, you know, again, it, it all depends on, on the production and all the principles producer wants kind of where they want to go things, where they want to go with things but you know by, by and large MLW and then you know the the independents like some of the some of the independents I do this is a free-for-all I can say whatever I want um which is good and bad sometimes but um you know I I don't I don't think one way is necessarily necessarily more right or more wrong than the other I think it just kind of depends on the product that you're putting together uh, but as far as calling it, it's more fun. Clearly, it's more fun not to have many, as many restrictions. How did you get into it all? Because I, I know you were doing hockey, um, and then we're working in the AHL. 
and got involved with Booker T down in Houston, and we're doing you know play by play on you know their YouTube broadcasts. Uh, but how do you go from from that point to uh, broadcasting in the WWE on on national television, and and what are the steps um, in between that kind of leads to all of that happening? Uh, I, I I mean, how did how did that all come to be? I guess is the <laughs> the short answer or the the short question. I still don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I still, I, I, yeah, I, it's um kind of a long wind kind of a long winded story, um, and I'll. Again, if I, if I start to ramble, feel free to cut me off. But, so I, I was in Houston. I had worked in hockey for a long time. I was there working for the Houston Arrows, uh, and I was the PR guy at that point. Um, wasn't doing play-by-play for them, but I was, I was the PR guy. Worked at a sports radio station part-time doing sports updates. And for a while, I was the PR guy for, uh, for Comcast Sportsnet Houston, which if you follow that fiasco at all, you know, um, you know, if, 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 if you don't know anything about Comcast Sportsnet Houston, just Google it and you can <laughs> read about it, and you can you can imagine what life was like being the public relations guy for that. Um, so anyway, wrestling was kind of my escape. I, I did an NWA Houston. I trained to be a referee for a little bit, refereed a couple matches, but they needed a ring announcer. Ended up getting hooked up with Booker's show. That grew to the point where you know we had a YouTube show, and then we grew, we got better, we got better. Uh, finally, got it on on, on local TV. Um, the whole time I was doing this, WWE was never really a thought in, in my mind. Like in the back of my head, I was like, oh, it'd be cool if Vince heard me. Ha, ha, ha. You know, I remember even saying to, I remember saying to Booker and, and, and Kevin at, uh, Ke- Kevin's like Booker's uh, producer. Um, you know, I, I just remember joking with him one day saying, well, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere on, you know, unless Vince or the NHL calls me, I'm, you know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm here in Houston. I'm not here to play that like I not thinking that, you know, I'd ever really get any kind of an opportunity. Um, so I had the day job at the, uh, uh, you know, doing PR for, for Comcast, um, for the sports network. That was, again, a nightmare uh, just because, you know, the business arrangement just wasn't good. So it was very, very difficult. Wrestling was my escape. And it was something I did for fun. That's all it was. Uh, I, I had interviewed with the Houston Texans. I actually interviewed with, with CBS Radio as well. So, like I said, I, I, I worked with them part-time. Interviewed with them for, for, for a web gig that I didn't get. And then interviewed with Mark Vandermeer with the Texans. They were looking for like a, like a reporter, um, you know, kind of like, you know, like an online content guy to, you know, to do, some, do some web reports and do some writing and just different things. Truth be told, I'm not a huge, 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 huge football guy. I, li- I like it enough. I, I watch it. But I'm not, I'm not a super, super, super football guy. Um, so I wasn't really passionate about it, and, and, and I think that was obvious. But, you know, Mark had listened to my stuff, and he was really complimentary of my work. And I had had a couple of other people tell me this, too. Like, man, you should really be calling games somewhere. Like, I don't know where, but you should be calling games somewhere. And that was kind of a crossroads for me where, where I was like, you know, I, I've been in the minors. I've done the thing where I've ridden the bus, made awful money, you know, to work 90 hours a week and ride the bus and, and, and do all that, stuff, all that stuff. I've been there. I've done that. Like, ugh, in my, you know, I'm in my late 30s at this point. It's like, do I want to, you know, there have been opportunities, I, you know, minor league hockey gigs that I probably could have gotten had I really pursued it. But it's like, did I want to go and make twenty grand a year, twenty five grand a year again? 
at 30 something and, you know, having just gotten married and whatever. It was actually my, my, my wife who, who suggested that I talk to Booker and said, talk, talk to him, see if, uh, and this is right before they, they announced that the WWE network was coming, all this different stuff. So it was just kind of on a whim. I talked to him one day. I said, Hey, you know, I interviewed with the Texans, didn't work out. Yada, yada, yada. They told me, you know, Mark told me that I should call a game somewhere. I don't really know what to do, but, you know, you think that WWE, you know, you, you think I'm, you think I'm good enough? And he was like, yeah, I think you're ready right now. So that kind of got the ball rolling for that. And it, it, it took a while, but Cole saw my stuff, came up. I met with Cole and then uh, he brought me down to Florida for a trial and the rest is history. Obviously, uh, obviously, you still um, are big in the, the wrestling side of things and, and certainly with the MLW stuff coming down the pipe here. But uh, how much is hockey still on your radar? I, I guess how much do you miss hockey? And, and is that something you, you still want to do here down the road? Uh, I would love to call hockey again. I would love it. Absolutely love it. Um, you know, it's my goal from, you know, from day one getting into this. You know, I started out as a... You know, honestly, I started out as a hockey announcer. That's what I that's what I wanted to do. And um it's funny how different opportunities come up and you know, different paths take you take you different places. Like, you know, ten years ago or you know, twenty years ago if you if you would have told me that I you know, that I that I would have called <laughs> matches for WWE, I would have told you out of your mind. Like you know, there was a while like to be honest, like in, in, in the nineties I didn't really, really watch wrestling. Um, I didn't like the Attitude Era stuff. Uh, I enjoyed ECW to an extent, but didn't you know WCW for you know towards the end? I thought was crap. I didn't like it. Um, I didn't like what W. I didn't like what the WWF was doing because it was too to me. It was too over the top, just trashy and crass. Um, just didn't like it. So I didn't really you know the like I said the ECW stuff. You, you could say well that was the ultimate in crass, so crap, <laughs> but but it was. To me, it was more obvious that it was like a show for adults sure. as opposed to, to a WWE show, which to me is supposed to be, you know, I, I I think some of the PG stuff is a little too far now, but like it's, you know, it's kind of supposed to be like, I don't need to see a bra and panties match in WWE. You know what I mean? Like, it's embarrassing if I'm sitting there with my wife or, you know, your 10-year-old kid and all of a sudden here comes a, you know, or, you know, when, like they did a live sex show on Raw. Like, why? It's just that crash. didn't go well. You know what I mean? No, so you know, I, I I wasn't into that, but as it kind of, as it kind of, I don't want to say more more towards you know focusing on the athleticism again. That's I, I guess that's kind of what drew me back in. Like I'd always been a fan, I'd always enjoyed it to an extent, but um, you know, kind of got back into it maybe more as they started to accentuate a little bit more of the athleticism. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I never I never thought that I would again like I. I called the show at Madison Square Garden. Like I could say I called a cage match and a title match at Madison Square Garden. If Pretty you ask me, I, I, yeah, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> It's crazy when I think about it. But it's like, you know, I called shows, in, you know, at the TD Garden in Boston, you know, at the, Providence, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, where I grew up going to shows as, as a kid. Like, And I called hockey games in Providence when I was in the American League. So it's kind of this weird thing. But, like, you know, as far as, like, Boston Garden or, you know, the Montreal not the Forum, but the Bell Center. All these buildings, like if you would ask me 10 years ago, I'd be, oh yeah, I'll, 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 I'll be in those buildings when I get to the show, when I'm calling kids in the NHL. Never, ever, ever would have thought that 
WWE would be something that I that I do. I want to ask you about uh, one other random broadcast uh, that I know you've done, uh, and that's just from a personal standpoint because I'm getting set to to broadcast uh, the CrossFit Games regionals. Uh, coming up here in, in, I don't know, about two months. Uh, but I know you did Grid League, which I guess for all intents and purposes, like team professional CrossFit racing in, in some respects. Um, what, uh, what, what was, what's it like? I, how do you, how did you broadcast, I, I guess, competitive weightlifting, um, for lack of a better term? Uh, any advice in that arena? I got a call. I have an agent um, that I, and I got a call. And he's like, hey, you're familiar with the NPGL? I'm like, well, I'm familiar with it. And then I heard of it. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, you know, what's your availability these days? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, okay. Um, so, you know, I, I got the gig. So it was basically, I had about two weeks to basically learn what, what the sport was. Um, learn who the athletes were. Learn what the different elements are. Uh, it, you know, it was, it was helpful in the sense that, like, I, I worked with, uh, a group of people that had been doing it for, you know, for, for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, Chris Doring, who does stuff for, uh, the SEC network, used to play for the Gators, played in the NFL. He was one of the color guys. So he was able to explain a lot of, a lot of what was going on. And then there, there was this other guy, Pat, who was the other color guy who competes in CrossFit. So he understands a lot of the stuff. For me, it was just more about kind of, you know, Let's just explain what the movement is because there are different elements of a. And like at the end of the day, it's a race. The, the programming is it, it's a race, so everybody understands racing, right? Yeah. So it's a matter of kind of it's a, it's a matter of kind of boiling that down and just kind of explaining what the different elements of each race are, whether it's you know uh, handstand push-ups or you know having to walk fifty yards on your hands or doing. Uh, you know, up and over. So whatever the movement is, being able to explain kind of, okay, this is, this guy's a specialist in this area and the way that they tag in now, it's, you know, it's, uh, I remember the first time I saw it, I wasn't involved in it. It was about, probably about a year before I did it. I remember seeing it on TV and I remember thinking to myself, who the hell wants to watch people lift weights on TV? <laughs> right. And I kind of, and but when, when, it, when I got asked to do it and I, you know, I actually kind of really watched it and learned it. There's actually like a lot of strategy that goes into it. It's actually a pretty fascinating, um, a fascinating way that the teams work together. Um, and the way that the, the individuals work together and how things are timed and how they know, like going into a particular race. Okay. This guy's going to go and he's going to, he's going to, uh, you know, he's going to lift, uh, he's going to do five reps and then he's going to tag and this guy's going to come in for it. it it's all, it's all very uh, streamlined and calculated. Um, and it was actually really a lot of fun kind of learning what that sport was about, kind of, you know, kind of figuring that stuff out. Uh, do you know what's next for you now? No clue. No clue. Um, that's, that's the million dollar question. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always say my goal's always been to, call stuff in the NHL. Like I still, I still want to call hockey games. It's just a matter of, I suppose, finding the, the right fit. Sure. Um, you know, something that, that, that I can do and, um, I guess not go broke doing it and still actually be able to have a life that, you know, that's, that, that's kind of, I guess one of the things is, as you get older, it's like, you know, you, you, you get, you, you get away like, God, am I going to be able to do a hundred hours a week working for this minor league team and make, 
barely enough to survive. Like it's one thing to be 24, 25 and do that. It's another thing to be 40, 41 sure. and, 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 and doing that. So it's, um, I'm not saying that I won't, but it's just kind of one of those things where like the timing has to be, I guess the time is going to be right. But well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that this MLW thing grows and, uh, you know, I've got some other, I guess, some other irons in the fire. So it's one of those things, I guess, we'll 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 see what happens. I guess uh, if people want to reach out to you, get in touch with you, um, or if they want to find MLW on BN, uh, how, how do they go about uh, tracking you down on uh, social media? And uh, like? well, for, for, for MLW, go to MLW.tv or okay. MLW.com, and you can check out stuff. MLW.com is probably the easiest source to get all the stories and stuff, but... Uh, it'll be every Friday night starting April the 20th on BN Sports. Uh, and then there's a replay at 11 for Major League Wrestling, Major League Wrestling Fusion. So that starts this Friday, so I'm psyched about that. And then, sorry, you know, if anybody wants to track me down, I'm on Twitter under my real name, Rich Bocchini. It's R-I-C-H-B-O-C-C-H-I-N-I. And, uh, yeah, uh, reach out and, you know, kind of kind of like you did. You sent me a note, hey, you know, we would love to talk to you. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty accessible and, you know, I've, I've always kind of worn my heart on my sleeve and kind of an open book. So, um, more than willing to, to, to share anything that I've learned and, uh, if that helps somebody else out in, 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 in the business, then, then great. Um, I was kind of half joking before we started <laughs> and I was, I was talking to, talking to my wife and, and said, Hey, I'm going to be on the phone for a little bit. And, and I told her told her what I was doing, and I don't know if you ever I don't know if you ever you've ever come across this, but um, you know when I have when I have you know like kids in school or, or whatever say oh you know how'd you get into play by play you know what advice do you have or whatever and I say this kind of tongue in cheek but I mean this honestly my my advice is don't <laughs> don't um, and I know that sounds crazy right but. You know, I see, I talk to some kids that, that are going to school, you know, I, I have a daughter and, uh, uh, you know, her boyfriend is like, well, I want to be involved in sports. And he's a, he's a junior in college. So he said, okay, well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to work in sports. Okay, well, what do you want to do? Well, I don't know. I just want to work around sports. And he said, oh, that sounds great and fun and whatever, but you're going to end up, you know, on the phone selling tickets, chasing your tail. And... Let's be honest, when you're in the minors, 90% of those sales gigs are chasing your tail. Um, it's very difficult. Um, you know, sponsorship, if, you know, if you can get into the sponsorship side of it, there's more opportunity there. But basically, my advice to him was don't get into sports. Go and get your degree in, like, don't get a radio television degree. Don't get a sports management degree. Get, like, a business degree. Yeah. Get, get something. Sure. Get something else that you can do away from all this bullshit. And if you really want to do this, you can, if you're a play-by-play guy, you can do play-by-play. You can, you can be involved in that. You can do it on the side. Get your degree in something else. Even if you end up working in sports for a little bit, you've got this other degree where you can go, like, you don't, you don't need to rely on sports. Like, you know, uh, that's not an option for everybody. Um, when I was coming up, there were still, you know, radio jobs were still fairly plentiful. Um, you know, the, the media consolidation hadn't completely taken over, uh, the way that, you know, it's, it's more, it's super, super difficult now. Like the job that I have doing sports updates, I, I think I have something like 60 stations that, that I upload to every night. Well, even if you break that down to, you know, a, a, you know, a quarter of that or whatever, 
that's at least 15 jobs that used to be there that are no longer there because everything's consolidated, right? Mm-hmm. So there used to be 15 guys that, that would be reporters or update anchors or whatever that no longer have those jobs because everything's consolidated and radio. Just the way technology has, has changed things. So, um, again, I, I don't know how many kids come up to you and say, hey, you know, you're going to need advice for, for somebody getting in. I, again, I know it sounds negative and it sounds counterintuitive, but when I say don't, I don't mean don't get into it, but I mean, you know, don't, don't go to school for it. You can, you can learn. Don't, don't pigeonhole yourself. Yeah. You know, get it, you know, get your real estate license or get, uh, you know, get an accounting degree or something, you, can, you know, so, you know, learn how to fix cars. I don't know, do something else. And then you can kind of do this stuff on the side. And then if it, you know, if it grows and, and, and you enjoy it, awesome. And if you get opportunities to do stuff, it's great. Um, you know, but it's, it's, you know, there are times that I wish that I had like a, you know, that I knew how to fix like air conditioners or something, you know what I mean? Like I mean, I'm, 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 in, I'm in Florida and it's like kind of when you're in between gigs or whatever, because that's the other thing in this business, there will come a point when you're in between gigs and you don't know how long that's going to be. Um, you know, it'd be nice to be able to go and kind of, Oh, you know, I can, I can, I can get a gig as an HVAC technician or something and make, you know what I mean? Make solid money and still be able to, to, to do the play by play stuff on the side. So, um, you know, I hope that's not too long winded, but well, that's, that was- uh, that's my blanket advice to the young guys. You know, have something else you can do. I usually end on that question, um, but if I can, uh, I want to bring it full circle here with you. And, and if I can ask you a technical question, um, from a on-air performance standpoint, having worked in the WWE, having been on uh, national television, uh, what what is it like from a a growth process at that level in terms of on-air performance and on-camera performance? And uh, are there things that you took from that and learned from that in terms of how you carried yourself, uh, how you acted on-air, um, how you looked on-air, how you spoke on-air, any any of that kind of stuff that, um, that still sticks with you uh, and that helped grow you as a broadcaster um, along the way? Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, just to relax and just roll with whatever happens. Um, as far, you know, I, on cameras, you know, I'm, I, I think I'm a better straight up play by play guy than I am like on camera, like as an on camera host or that type of thing. Like, I don't think I'm bad as an on camera host or I don't think my on cam is terrible, but it's not necessarily my strongest point. I'm, I'm, I'm a better, for lack of a better, I don't want to say better radio play by play guy, but like, I'm, I'm just I'm a better when it better play by play guy than I am being like like a host. No, I feel, um, so, I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah it's um, and I, you know, I don't I don't know that the that the two things are they're they're different skills that that I guess intertwine and over, and overlap, but I I feel like they are kind of two different things in some ways. Um, you know, but I mean that's that's part. You know, it, 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 if you're on TV, you have to be able to toss the things. Um, the way WWE does it, you're more you're more of a host. The play-by-play guy is often is often referred to as the host, okay. As opposed to again, you you know you talk like like a Joe Buck, like Joe Buck's not always tossing to packages. Sometimes he is, but it's you know usually those on cams are kind of quick, right? They'll they'll they'll, they'll show the on cam. They're just talking about oh geez, you know you know before we went to break that pickoff play was blah 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 blah. You know, let's let's take a look at the, the throw over the first. And, oh yeah, you know, it looked like the manager had a reason to argue. You know what I'm saying? It's it's that kind of an on cam, and then they kind of go back to uh, to the action. Whereas WWE, you're always 
you're, you're bridging, you're transitioning from one thing, you're in the middle, and now you're growing to something else to advance the story. Um, so I guess, like I said, the, you know, the, the biggest thing that I learned is, number one, should just try to relax and roll with whatever happens. Um, but the other thing is, you know, you, you kind of have to think ahead to, you know, where am I going? What's coming up? What am I talking to? I'm trying to keep that stuff straight. I don't want to say it, it's, it's difficult, but with all, again, with all the voices and all the noise around you and, and everything, it takes a certain amount of, um, you know, it, it, it takes some practice to, to be able to, to be able to get to that stuff. And especially at WWE, sometimes they'll have your color guides to mess with you just for the fun of it. Like, right. I, like, I, like yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I, I worked, I worked with JBL for, for a little bit. JBL's role. Yeah. Was to be a heel. Was to be a heel. And I, I've said before that he was difficult to work with. Um, and he, and, and, and he was. I don't know that it was malicious, but I'm just saying as, as a heel, he would just, any opportunity that he got to He's jump on you for yeah. something, he, yeah, he, he did it. So to be able to, to be able to take that and still not get totally flustered and still be able to get to where you need to go, um, I'm not saying it's, Hard or, or you just have to be ready for that kind of thing. You just got to kind of go with what they what they throw at you and just get to where you need to go. So it's uh, it's challenging, but you know it can it, it, it can be done, but it's challenging. That's Rich Bikini joining us here on Play by Playcast of MLW Fusion, formerly of World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, moral of the story: When it comes to destruction of your broadcast position, by the way, uh, make sure that your 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 soda can is out of the way of Roman Reigns. <laughs> That's incredible. Like, can you just imagine... Can you imagine doing a... I mean, you know, it happens. It happened in the Final Four. Um, and I've, I'm blanking on who it was now, but one of the guys from Michigan, it might have been Mo Wagner. I think it was. Like, ran over Bill Raftery and, like, bent his glasses. But like, can you imagine somebody being slammed through your broadcast position? If you're doing another sport. Like, that doesn't happen, but it happens to wrestling guys all the time. And it, it happened WrestleMania weekend, like with Moro. Moro Ronaldo was doing NXT TakeOver, and his microphone stopped working. And it was the first time I've ever noticed that, like actively caught it. I'm sure it's happened before. But I've been like, ah, Moro's mic stopped working when they destroyed the announce table. Man, that seems authentic. They probably snapped a cord. I don't know. I've always wondered, like my phone... How many people, raise your hand right now, do a broadcast where your laptop or cell phone are out on the table in front of you? Goodbye, laptop. Seth Rollins just went through the screen. Like, <laughs> I just, I can't imagine having to get all my stuff out of the way in time. Or if Luke Harper almost hits me with a chair. Like, hazards of the job. Now, would I sign up for it? Because I'd love to do play-by-play -play for, for wrestling, sports entertainment. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Um, but one near chair shot to the head by accident, and I might be out. Uh, one of the, the hazards of the job. Uh, many thanks to Rich for, uh, for joining us on this episode. Kind of a, uh, an interesting venture and dream come true. Sounds weird, but like it's been a dream of mine on this podcast to talk play-by-play uh, -play of pro wrestling. So I'm glad that uh, on episode 98 uh, we got to dive into that today. Uh, again, check out MLW Fusion. It is Fridays at 8 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. on Be In Sports. Contact your cable provider for local listings. Go to getbein, B-E-I-N dot beinsports.com. Getbein dot beinsports.com. Uh, next week, Lanny Terry, former voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates of 33 years, 
He did the We Are Family team in 1979. He was there when Sid slid. He'll talk about Barry Bonds. He was the broadcaster of the basketball game where Bob Knight threw the chair. We will get to all of that and much more next week, right back here on PXPCast. Until then, we're out. Hit it, Marshmallow.